Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Welcome to our first week of Friendly Fire. Genesis chapter 2 is where we're going to be looking in this series as we kick off today and over the next couple weeks, looking at relationships. So before you think this is a marriage series, and if you're single, don't tune me out because this is not a marriage series. Uh, And if you are married and you don't think you need any uh, help and you pretend you have it all together, don't tune me out either. Uh, that uh, this is a desire for us to grow in every type of relationships. Our lives are affected by relationships. If we're looking forward to what God is going to do next, the, the catalyst or, or the, the conduit through which God is going to do next in our lives is going to be affected by the relationships we have around us. I want you to stop and think about that for a moment. The effect of what God desires to do through us, the, the effect of what God wants to do next. We, we said this year that we want to be ready for what God has next, that this is next, preparing us to walk into what it is that God has created us for, developed us for. Your next will not be as effective uh, unless your relationships are healthy. Uh, your next that God wants to do in your life matters of how your relationship is with people around you, with your neighbor. Uh, Jesus was asked the question, who is my neighbor? And really, it was a, a question asked. I'm going to try and get off of, of how, having to, to have responsibility. I'd like to justify that I, don't, I can take a pass on this one. And Jesus, when he's asked, who is my neighbor? Jesus says, well, your neighbor is not just someone who is close to you. It's also someone who might be of a different ethnicity, different person, different background. That everyone that we come in contact with, that the, relationship, the relationships that we have are significant to the work that God is able able to do in our life. If, you're, if our relationships are not healthy, then our spiritual life is probably not stable. If our relationships are not healthy, then our spiritual life might not be as stable as we want to think they are. Uh, John wrote in his first letter, he wrote three letters in the first, second, third John. In the first letter, he writes this, how can you say you love your brother who you can see, or how can you say you, you love God who you cannot see if you don't love your brother who you can see? How can you say you love God if you don't love your brother? How can you say that God matters so much to you if it doesn't carry out in how we relate and how we retreat and respond and how we, we communicate with one another? And so over the next couple of weeks, our desire is to develop healthy relationships. We've all heard of friendly fire. And friendly fire is, is a term that's mostly used in combat. That's what we'd be more familiar with it. But how many know relationships can sometimes feel like combat? Relationships can sometimes have tension and struggle. If you're here today and you think that bad relationships have tension, you're wrong. Bad relations don't have tension. Bad relationships have unresolved tension. Good relationships have tension. If your relationship does not have tension, then it's probably not developing. But if it's unresolved tension, then it's not healthy. Health is not determined by lack of tension. Health is determined by resolved tension. That whenever we're able to resolve and to process. I want to look today and develop and lay a platform for having healthy relationships and how we, how we work, we interact. And I, this is so important because we talk about what is next and we had our week of refresh, which the week of refresh is recognizing that we cannot do it by might or by power, but only by the Spirit of God. But then also following up with uh, strategically this, this uh, series of Friendly Fire is that we want to be people who are intentional in developing relationships because the health of our relationships will determine the impact of what God is able to do next in our life. 
It's healthy relationships that open the door for God to do greater things and for God's glory to shine even more. So we want to do our best at that. Friendly fire is simply this, that when someone on the same side or from the same camp accidentally fires on another person. Someone that fires at another person and it happens accidentally. So what we want to do over the next couple weeks is we want to learn how to live intentionally to eliminate incidentals. We want to learn how to live intentional to eliminate incidentals. There are too many incidents and, and there are too many relationships, marriages, uh, churches that are hindered by incidentals. We incidentally have, have issues and things that occur, but we're not intentional to walk through them. You are going to have incidents in your life, but how we handle those, how we process those will determine whether we're intentionally allowing healing to happen or we're just settling for incidentals that just occur and we're just left dealing with the aftermath of what happens in our lives. We would say to God, God, help us to be healthy in our relationships that we can process things that we go through, that the, the issues that we go through, we can be intentional to address them and not just suffer the incidentals that occur as a result of them. Would you say amen to that? How many would say today that you could benefit from developing healthier relationships in your life? This message is for about the 10 of us that are here today that would. Genesis chapter 2 is where I want to look and want to lay a groundwork for us for the next couple weeks. Um, In Genesis chapter 2, I know this is a picture of marriage. We immediately think of Adam and Eve, but I want you to see the necessity of relationships. Let me give you the background. God has created the earth already. It's already been done. He speaks all those things into existence. He's created man. In chapter 2 now, he's outlining what is in, the, in paradise, what is in the garden. And then he backtracks a little bit, or Moses is backtracking in the story to give us this perspective. And here's what Moses is saying. that Moses is telling us the fruit trees have already been put in place. They're flourishing. There's fruit on them. That Adam doesn't even have to work the field because water and springs come from the ground and it waters them. There are also rivers that are going out from the garden. And these rivers are going in different directions to bring life and to bring nutrients. In fact, one of the rivers, the Pishon River, is mentioned that it has resin and, and, and aromatic resins and things that just cause even the smell of the area to be beautiful. That pure gold is surrounding it. I want you to get the picture today that there's plentiful fruit trees. There's the tree of life in the middle. There's a great smell in the air. There's even gold off in the distance. Everything that Adam would ever need, want, and desire is right there. But something's missing. In verse 18 in Genesis chapter 2, here's what it says. Would you stand with me today? God has just, or Moses has just said what God has done. He's created. If you go back and read it, you'll see the fruit trees are beautiful. There's an aroma in the air. There's wonderful garden. There's a wonderful place that God has created. Verse 18 then, he says this in chapter 2. Then the Lord God said, it is not good. The first time God said it's not good. Every other time he created this, it was good. He created that, it was good. But now he says it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed the ground, from the ground, all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to man, to the man, to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for Adam. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs, closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, Adam exclaimed, this one. Somebody say this one. This one. 
This one is different than all the other created beings. This one, he says, is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. I know this, is, this points to marriage, but this is not a marriage series. I want you to see the importance of relationship because what I hear Adam saying today is, or in this scripture is that when he saw all the other creation and everything else, he sees Eve, and this time he says, finally, someone who gets me. How many know that your life is made different and better when you feel like somebody gets you? When some, finally someone gets me. Finally someone knows what I'm going through. Finally someone can relate to me. I want to share this message today that someone, someone who gets me. That we would be those people who get one another, be able to relate and understand, and that we would be this support to one another. Father, I pray you bless this word. God, I ask that you'd give us wisdom, Lord, to hear what we need to hear, and God, the ability to allow that to break forth in our lives. God, that it would work for your glory in us. Give us healthy relationships. Give us healthier relationships. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. On your way to being seated, just tell someone, just pat them on the back and tell them, I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. Adam has everything he could want or desire right here. Adam is in a place where the garden is created. Everything that he could desire is right where it needs to be. But his relationship is lacking. You know, you can have everything you want, everything in all the right place. But if your relationships aren't in place, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how big your house is. It doesn't matter how successful your job is. If your relationships aren't healthy, how many know it's hard to enjoy the stuff you have? Adam is in the middle of everything he could ever want. I've got the aromas. I've got the gold flowing. I've got the fruit growing. I've got everything happening around me. I don't even have to work that hard for it because the springs are watering from the ground. God has provided everything, but he's missing something, and what he's missing is someone who gets him. You see, God has designed each and every one of us to be in relationship, regardless of how independent you think you are. You are created for relationship. God designed you. Adam was not complete until the relationship of Eve came along. Now, I know there would be some of us that would say, wait, Jesus is all we need. You're absolutely right. Jesus is all we need. But not only is Jesus all we need, but the joy of Jesus being all we need is elevated when we have people to experience and to share that with. If you're taking notes today, write this down this morning. The purpose and the goal of life is not just to have something to do, but to have someone to do it with. Life is not just having someone to do or something to do. It's to have someone to do life with. That God created us to be in relationship, to experience. You know the significance of things that occur in your life. It usually is affected by this. When something significant occurs, you think in your mind, I can't wait to tell whoever it is. Why? Because the benefit, it's elevated the joy of what we experience. When we experience the presence of God, that is wonderful. But how many know that when we experience the presence of God and the love of God with other people, it causes it to go even further? It elevates that experience. It makes it even more. You, are, you and I are created to be individuals who relate in good relationship, in healthy relationship. God wants you and I to grow in relationship. Relationship is all about growing to become more like God, and guess what he uses for that to happen? That person that you just told, I got your back. I got you. 
That person that God put in your life is someone that you have, God has given to you to help you grow and become more like Jesus. Whatever relationship context that is, friend, coworker, whatever it might be, God has brought those relationships for that purpose. Adam is in the garden while everything is beautiful, everything's wonderful. God says that the, the birds were created. He brought them by Adam. Adam gave him a name. I don't think it was one of those where Adam said, next, all right, you're a hippo. Next, you're a... I think this was Adam in his, in his observation. Adam was created unlike all the other animals. He was created by God, by his hands, and God gave himself, put himself inside of man. The intellect and the ability. I would like to tell you evolution is not man becoming smarter. What has happened in our life is because of sin, man became dumber. God created man just the way he was supposed to be. Now, there were experiences that he would gain and knowledge that he would gain, but God created Adam with the ability to reason, the ability to understand, the desire to grow, and the desire to develop. The problem is, while Adam is looking at all the animals, he has no one to share it with. I mean, he would even have a conversation and not even talk to him, but you know what it's like. You talk to your dog, you know you do. You know what it's like to talk to your dog and you have a conversation with your dog. You tell your dog it's a good dog. That dog will wave it, wag its tail. That dog will get excited. That dog will do everything that you command it to do and even respond as you want it to respond. But that dog cannot help you develop your thoughts and ideas and dreams. That dog is just something for you to repeat and to go th forth. And it's surface level. It develops and goes nowhere. Now you grow an intimacy or, or a dependency maybe, an affection, and you love having that dog around. But let's be real. That dog has only given you the ability to have some companionship but cannot help you to produce your purpose in life. Sorry, all the dog lovers. I'm not, there's no offense to that. I'm just telling you, your dog cannot help you develop your ideas. I mean, if you think you can talk to Sparky, Sparky, what do you think about that? Sparky, how do you think we ought to do? I know you do. I know you stop and you talk that way. You do. You talk to your dog that way. But you cannot develop. And Adam is looking at these places and he knows that there's something more. You see, he wants to have healthy relationships. Let me tell you what health is. Health is the ability to progress and develop. Health is a process. Health is not something you arrive to. Health is something you produce through. You produce in healthy. Health is not just an end result. It's how you process and how you handle things. Health is our ability to develop and to grow and to move into the next process. Are you healthy? Too often what we think health is, health means to have no problems. That's not health. Health doesn't mean you, that you have no problems or issues. Health means that you know how to handle properly the problems and the issues that come along. In fact, we too often determine healthy relationships to be, well, do you have a good marriage? Yep, we've never had a problem and never had an argument. I don't think that's a good one. If you've never had tension, then you probably haven't had a real relationship. Tension is necessary. It's necessary for things to grow, there's tension. It's necessary at points for things to, to, to develop. Now, tension that is what we need to develop or, or what we need to work through is not just to have tension, but we have to have resolved tension, that it allows us to become better and to grow and to become stronger. And when Adam saw that there was no one for him to help him, to help him develop his ideas, to help him become who he needs to be, to help him put thoughts and things in motion and develop things when there was no one there. You know what it's like to have someone to bounce ideas off of? Am I just the, other, the only one? 
I mean, I love it that times I will call people up when I have read a scripture. I will either shoot an email and say, hey, I saw this today. What do you think about this? I'll call people. I love having people to bounce ideas off of. I love whenever a thought comes to mind, God bless my wife, she's the first one I'll go to. When the thought comes to mind, hey, I thought about this today. How many know what I'm talking about? You want to share your thoughts. Why? We were designed and developed to do that. That's how God created us. That's how we process. That's how we learn. That's how we develop. That's how we grow. And Adam had no one in the garden. He had the gold flowing. He had the trees growing. He had the water moving. He had everything in place, but he had no one to share life with. He had no one to share the experience and to have this this encounter with. It might be someone in the room thinking, well, Adam could have just talked to the birds and left well enough alone. Why did he go and mess it all up? You're either not married or I don't know what your issue is if you think that. You can only talk to the birds for so long and they'll never develop your thought. They'll never help you move to the next level. But God gave a relationship. And God established a relationship so that we could develop and learn how to become healthy. And we can learn how to process things in a healthy way. You know, the people that seem to get on your nerves and seem to be the ones that bother you might be the ones you need to thank God for. Because God will use those points of tension to develop you in a way that you never would have gotten to before. You see, there are some people who have developed my prayer life. There are some people who have made me pray more than I've prayed before. There are some people who have caused me to get into the presence of God. You know what I've come to learn in my older years of life? What are you laughing at me for? I've come to find that oftentimes the presence of God becomes more real to me, not in the moments I feel it, but in the moments I don't. I've learned in the moments when I don't feel it is when I press in, and that's where the faithfulness of God becomes even more apparent. Because it's when I don't feel it, when it doesn't seem right, when it doesn't go the way I want. It pushes me to a place of pressing into God and it causes me to know a faithfulness that I would not know without the tension. Okay, James, brother of Jesus, I'll consider it pure joy when I face trials of many kinds because I know that the testing of my faith is going to develop perseverance. Now, here's the problem. If your tension doesn't point you to Jesus, then the problem is you're not dealing in a healthy way with those tensions. And you and I know for sure probably 90% of the tension we deal with has to do with relationships. There can be other 10% of issues. The tornado hits and messes up your house. That's an issue. Finances, job loss, all those things are an issue. But 90% of what you struggle with in life has to do with relational tension. It has to do with our, our tension that we have and how we relate and how we understand and how we get to a place where we get one another, where we're able to understand, we're able to communicate, able to reason together, able to communicate in a healthy and a proper way. And if we don't do it intentionally, then friendly fire becomes a whole bunch of incidentals that occur and not intentional healing that flows. You see, how many want healing in our lives and in our world? The very fact that we want healing identifies that we have things that we need healed of. The problem is a lot of people want healing, but they don't want the stuff that they need to be healed from. They want healing, but they don't want the tension. They want miracles, but they don't want the mess. They want the opportunity, but they don't want the opposition. And I want you to know today that God gave you that tension 
to help you develop and to become what you need to be. The question is, is your tension moving to a resolution? If not, then it's not healthy. You're not handling it properly. We're not handling it in a proper way. But that we would be people, that we would understand how that we can get one another. He's observing and watching and all the things that he wants to experience, but he has no one to share it with. We all need someone who gets us, and that getting us is people that we can relate to. And I saw a, a, just a statistic that said 90%, and this is, I would say 90% of our tension that we have in life has to do with relationship. But 90% of people who fail at their vocation do so because they never learned how to get along well with other people. The problem for our, for our tension, I would say this, if we would learn how to handle friendly fire in a healthy way, if we would handle things properly, if we'd be intentional with our relationships, I think there'd be less stress. There'd be less heart disease. This is really practical. There'll be less issues that affect the body if we learn how to handle properly. Because what we want sometimes is that we don't want opposition in any way because we need to be people who are, who are speaking the right language. And so here's what... Here's what three things I encourage you to write down today for someone who gets you. If you're going to be someone who gets me, it means this. Number one, they speak the language. Do you know how important it is to speak the language? Can I tell you what the language is of a healthy relationship? Healing. Someone who speaks the language of healing. If you speak to resolution, that's the language of healing. But how many times that we're speaking not the right language and we're not getting each other because we're not speaking the same language. We're not speaking the language. The reason we're not speaking the language is because we're speaking attack rather than health. We're speaking attack rather than health. Now, I realize there'll be some in the room who would say this. Well, then that means we should never say anything confrontational to anyone. That's not true. The difference between what you say confrontationally and what you say appropriately has to do with what you're confronting. Is it moving resolution down the field? If it is not moving to resolution, then you're not speaking the language. I might have to at times say things that are confronting, or you may have to confront me with things. If you do it in the right heart and you do it in the right way, there ought to be a place for those conversations to happen. There ought to be moments that there might seem to be friendly fire on the same team that you're shooting at me. But when I know I can trust you, you're not shooting at me. You're helping me to move in a direction that I need to go. I heard one time, my dad said one time, he said sometimes what it takes to get someone to move is to light a fire about this high. And it was just the right height height of my rear end. My dad would threaten to light a fire. I'll light a fire on you. I knew what that meant. My dad was going to light a fire that was going to motivate and move me. Some of us need people in our lives who can help light a fire. Some of us need people in our lives that we can trust and move and help with a fire. But here's the problem. The people that God has given us to help light a fire, we've uh, considered sometimes that the discomfort, the thing that we don't like, we, we allow a guard and a defense, and we miss the ability to be made better. You've always got to guard the conversation, but if you're not speaking the language, if you don't speak the language, it's hard for you to trust people you don't speak the language of. I went to Cochabamba, Bolivia a number of years ago, and I I went to speak at a youth camp, and the missionary was home on furlough, and so he asked me to go 
And uh, typically, the missionary would be there, but he said, hey, Jason, I'm back in the States, so if you're able to go, you'll be by yourself. All right, totally fine. That's cool. He set this up with the, the, the pastor that would pick me up from the airport. I flew into the airport, and I'm ready for the pastor to pick me up. The only problem is there's no one there by the name of whatever name I had. I don't know if I was saying it wrong, so I tried every accent I could. I even tried whatever I could pull out. Maybe I'd just say it the right way. There's no one there to pick me up. I found out later the pastor thought I was coming in the next day. And he never showed up to pick me up. I had no one to contact. And I'm in a city, in a country, all by myself, never been there. So all I know to do is I wrote down the address that I knew was given to me of where I'd be staying. And I went to one of the taxi drivers, hoping they would understand me. And noticing that they were eager to take me wherever I wanted to go because they wanted my money. I showed one taxi driver an address. He spoke at least enough English. He said, you need to go there. He said, I take you there. And so I showed him the address. And so I'm riding in the back of a vehicle with a man I've never met who doesn't speak my language, praying to God that he takes me where I need to go. I'm thinking, God, if I die on the mission field, Lord, here I am. I'm a martyr for you in the backseat of this. Just let my family know I died serving Jesus. I gotta be honest with you. It was an uncomfortable process. He drops me off, and when he drops me off, it's now midnight. By the time I've waited and realized there's no one, and I better catch a taxi because the airport's shutting down. I'm going to be left outside the airport all alone. I better at least go somewhere. He takes me through the city. He doesn't speak my language. I don't speak his. He drops me off at a corner of the address that I gave him. Come to find out, he dropped me off on the wrong street. I am now walking in Cochabamba, Bolivia, all by myself, a white man with a suitcase and a briefcase over my arm, walking down the street all by myself. Do you know everybody that walked by me became a threat to me? Every person that walked by me, I held a little tighter because they didn't speak my language, and because they didn't speak my language, I became on the defense. I became careful. And I don't know one person, there was this one gentleman on his bike And he went back and forth a few times. I got to be honest, I have no idea. The guy did nothing but cross me two times, rode by twice, or three times. And in my mind, I'm thinking, he's trying to find the way to just come along and ransack me and take my stuff. And I don't even know the man, but I've already made up in my head how threatening he is to me. Do you know there's some people you haven't learned to speak the language of healing with that you've already convinced yourself that they're just out to damage you and hinder you, and you've already convinced yourself that you cannot allow healing to happen. I finally got to the place that I found and the address, and I went from door to door, not pushing buttons, but I saw this one and said, this has to be it, because it had a gate, and it had the number that matched And I wasn't sure how the streets were going, but it had an intercom, and I took my chances. I pushed the intercom. It's now nearing 1 a.m. As I push the intercom, I hear this British accent speaking Spanish, to which I reply and say, No hable espanol. My name is Jason. I'm here as a guest. And as soon as she heard my name, she said, oh, Jason. She immediately broke into English in her, in, in her uh, British accent. She immediately spoke my language. She opened the door. Do you know the moment I heard her speak my language, there was this weight and this thing that came off. The moment someone said, I'm here for you. 
The moment I heard someone speak my language, it was hope. I want to ask you today, are you learning to speak the language of healing in relationships and places and things that you're in? Because if not, and here's what healing looks like, if we're not speaking to resolution, then we're missing the opportunity to become better in the process than the journey that God wants to take us on. The language that we need to speak is healing. You know what healing sounds like? Healing sounds like I know we've had issues, but I trust God to work in this situation. If I've got a conflict with you, Mike, and you and I are going to fight, and I'm, never mind, I'll find someone else. Um, yeah. If there's an opposition, if you trust Jesus and I trust Jesus, and we say we know that there's opposition or there's difference, but we trust that God will resolve it. How many know that allows healing to begin to rise up? If we're going to speak the language of healing, it might be some of us don't know how to speak the language of healing because we've been learning language from the wrong master. The Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. Be careful whose voice you're listening to. Be careful whose voice you've said there's no hope, this will never work, You've had people who have spoken over your life things that are not healing. You've had people maybe who have spoken over your life, you'll never change, you're not good enough, you don't have what it takes. Maybe there are people that you've had and tried to encourage and you've always got to use wisdom and allow the Holy Spirit to say, okay, where is the truth that I need to process in this? Because if I'm not willing to, then I'm missing the opportunity to grow and to develop. Are you speaking the language of healing? Because if you don't learn the language of healing, you're always going to see that person, whether you live with them, work with them, pass them on the street, live beside them, whatever it is. If you don't speak the language of healing, you'll always see that person as a threat and you'll always hold them at arm's length and you'll never allow healing to flow in your relationship. Does that make sense? That's hard. That's a hard thing to do. This is not easy stuff to do. Relationships aren't magical. Relationships work because people work at them. Relationships take work. It takes energy. It takes some effort. It takes some things for us to process. And it is not a desire or a call to be perfect, but it is a call to not allow our imperfection to become justified and stay where we are and miss the opportunity to develop, to grow, and become more like God. Are you learning the language of healing? Have you learned the language of healing? Are you speaking healing over situations, over places, and trusting God. When someone speaks the language, there's a, someone gets you. Here's number two. Someone who gets you is someone who knows where you're coming from. Someone who knows where you're coming from. Someone who can relate to you, has that experience. Adam cannot find any of the animals who can relate to him. You know why? Because all the animals were spoken into existence. God said, let there be birds of the air. And guess what? There were birds of the air. God said, let there be fish in the sea. There were fish in the sea. God said, let there be animals on the, on the ground. And there were animals on the ground. God spoke all of them into existence. But when it came to Adam, God knelt down and he put hands in the dirt. And he created Adam by hand. 
That's why you desire affection. That's why you desire touch. That's why you desire that God has created us that way, that we need and we desire your needs for, for, for that affirmation, for affection, those things that God has put in place. God designed you that way because he said, I started it like that. I did that. I put the hands in the dirt. I've had moments where there have been people who don't even know what I'm going through, what even's on my mind, and they'll come up either from behind, put their arm around me, and I've had some guys just take me by the, my shoulder and just squeeze me in and say, man, I appreciate you. Do you know what that touch and what that word and what that affirmation in a moment, do you know what that does to a person's life? You and I were designed to have that touch. Adam knew that. Adam said, I have this. This, this is what's in me. And now finally someone he can relate to. You know why? Because Eve knew what it was to be taken from the dirt and also to have life breathed into her. God created Eve the same way. The only difference was he took from the rib or took from the side a rib and he created from the dirt. He put his hands in the dirt, created her, and breathed his life into her. He knew that Eve knew where Adam was coming from. I wonder today, are we in lives and relationships with people who know where we're coming from? Let me just interject and say, be careful that you don't allow the people to give the most influence in your life to be the ones who have not yet felt the presence of God breathe over them. If your closest circle are people who have not seen the presence of God breathe over their life, watch yourself. Whoever your number three people are in your life that have the biggest influence, I picked the number three because Jesus fed thousands, he taught hundreds, he walked with 12, he was close with three, but even one was closer than the rest. Jesus knew that there were layers and levels that you can't be so close to everybody. But who are the three people that you let into your life? Who are the three people that you lean on? Who are the three people, the three people who have influence and say? And here's what I would ask you today. Those people that are in your life, are they people who know where you're coming from? Do they have the desires and the dreams to pursue God with passion and desire? Does that mean don't let any of the other 12 or the, the other 20 be in your life? No, it means make sure the people who are the closest in your life are moving in a direction of life giving. Because if not, it'll suck the life out of you. If you're not with people who know what it is to receive life-giving power from the presence of God, it will suck the life out of you. And I would say to you, you think your tension is taking the life out of you? The tension is not sucking the life out of you. It's that you've not connected yourself with people who can breathe new life back into you. Your issues aren't sucking the life out of you. It's that you've not connected yourself to the place to allow new life, to allow the life and the presence of God to breathe back into you. You know what it's like when you hang around the right people? You become like those people. When I worship with people, do you know why it's important for us to come together and worship as the body of Christ? Because when I watch you worship, it moves me. Now you say, wait a minute, Jason. We shouldn't do that. We worship just because we worship. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But there's something about watching you worship and being around you and hearing you sing and being in a voice. It allows me to know I'm not alone and it encourages me. It builds up the body of Christ. Just being around you and worship does something for my soul and my spirit. The same way, not being around you does something for my soul and my spirit. Not being a part of church. I've heard people say before, well, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And you don't have to go eat to live for long. Over a period of time. It, it's the same justification that I don't have to be in church to be a Christian. I don't have to be among believers to be a Christian. That is just as true as I don't have to sit at the table to eat. I don't have to go 
find food to eat, or I don't have to eat to live. You can only get away with that for so long. Comes a part where you become starved, and when you become starved, you grab for anything and the stuff that you take, and unfortunately, we'll take the hanging stuff that becomes poison, lead us astray. We need one another. Look at your neighbor today. Tell him, I got you. I got you. I got you. Listen, let me give you the, the last one. If we're going to be people who get one another, we got to speak the language. We want to be around people who know where we're coming from. And number three is this. Someone who gets me is someone who brings the best out of me. Someone who brings not just the best, but the better out of me. And the reason I think it's important maybe to change that is because at the time it doesn't seem like the best. At the time it doesn't seem like the best. When Jaron was a baby, we took him for his vaccinations and it was one of those moments when I realized what we are doing to our child. You know, you don't think about things until you're in the moment, right? And what I realized was that we're giving him a dose of chicken pox to keep him from getting chicken pox. What? We give him a bit of what he might get to keep him from being affected by it. You know, God allows tension in your life not to overtake you, but to give you strength to develop. He gives you a little bit so you can develop and not be overtaken by what could overtake you. That God allows that tension, that place, and I don't know what your tension is today, but how are you handling it? How are you, are you speaking the language of healing? Are you speaking the language? Are, are, are we at a place of, of knowing where we're coming from? Because if you know where you're coming from, then you know where you're going. That it's the purpose of God that he has for us. And lastly, that we would allow the best to come out of us. God wants us to bring the best out of one another. Sometimes the best out of one another comes when iron sharpens iron. I want you to think of that. You can almost hear it right now hitting as iron hitting iron. You can hear that screech as it goes across the metal of each other. You hear the pounding. Let's be real. Iron sharpening iron is kind of, some of you are like right now, just the sound or the thought of it goes up your neck. You know, it makes the hair stand on your neck. And just the idea of that scraping metal and coming together and that hitting. You and I are meant sometimes to collide. Not to destroy each other, but to help each other get into the right direction. Because if you and I collide, one thing's for sure, we can't remain the same. And if we're in a place of health, and if we desire resolution, if we desire healing and health, it will mean we might come to opposition, but it will cause us to get even further if you're willing to move to resolution. The worship team's coming to help us close this morning, and I just want to challenge us in this. I want to lay the groundwork that we become people willing to allow healing to happen in our life. You see, the reason God wanted Adam to not be alone It's because he needed someone to help him. Help him what? Help him heal. What's healing look like? Healing means to develop into the greater purpose that God has for you. To develop in the greater purpose. To develop in what God has for you. And what God is using is the relationships that he's brought around us. So are you speaking the language of healing? Some of you here today, 
you need to learn how to speak a different language. You've been speaking over your relationships. Villain, devil, evil, hopeless. Be careful. Because to speak such negativity is to really admit that you've lost contact with the one who breathed life, breathes life into you. What situation is God not able to turn around? What brokenness is God not able to heal? What is it that God is not able to do? What is it that God is not able to turn around? And we've got to be people who are speaking healing, who are speaking life. Let me close with, with this of bringing the best out of us. And Jesus, when he was on the cross, as he died, the Bible says that they came and they didn't break his legs. You see, when there were thieves and criminals on the cross, in order to help them die or help them in the process either to make sure they're dead or in order for them to, to speed the process of dying, they would break their legs and their weight would cause them to fall and they would suffocate quicker. And the Bible says of Jesus in the Old Testament, David spoke and said that not one bone would even be broken. And as a truth of that, that Jesus, his legs were not broken, but instead one of the soldiers took a spear and pierced Jesus in the side. The Bible says that as the spear came out, blood and water poured out. It's significant of what the Bible said that would happen, that from his side would pour out water, would pour out blood. It speaks that he was dead, but here's what it is. The blood represents his healing. And what people saw that day, the good Jewish people would have looked if they were willing. If they were willing, they would have looked and seen that he really is who he says he is. If they were willing. But how many know there were so many of the Jews, so many of the people, and the reason I say the Jews is because they were the ones who were taught the scriptures. They were taught the Messiah. They were taught these things. They would have known scripture. And had they been there to see it, their eyes would have been open and they would have seen truth and reality. The problem is that none of them were around in that moment. They didn't even last that moment. Let me ask you today, when it comes to struggles and difficulty, tension in relationships, have you removed yourself from even being able to see God at work? Because when something pours out, here's what it speaks. It speaks to authenticity. What it said of Jesus is that he really is who he says he is. Do you know what our world needs today? Authentic, real relationships. We've got enough make-believe ones. I'm not the anti-social media guy, but I sure am anti when you live your life through social media and you've convinced yourself that this is real life. No, it's not. It's not real life. Put it down and have a conversation. Put it down and let there be something of deepening. And if someone pushes you to go deeper, don't think they're the villain. Maybe appreciate and say, no, God, what do you want to bring out of me? What needs to move to resolution? Because what God wants to show us in our lives, if we're not staying long enough, we'll miss what God wants to reveal to us. Because sometimes I need people in my life to help me see I'm selfish. I need people sometimes in my life. You know, the people I can trust and allow to speak into my life are hopefully the same people that allow me to speak into their life. 
sometimes what we like to do is we want to be the ones who give. But health is not just when something goes out. Health is when something comes back in. If your heart only pumped blood out but didn't pump blood back in, how many know you got a problem? Some of us are really good at pumping stuff out to people, but we're not good at letting people pump stuff back into us. Because I know the answers. Got it all figured out. In my tension and things that we'll have in life, it's easy for me to bear the brunt of being people's problems. I easily own things. That's good and that's bad. It's good because then I can be the reason for the fault of everything. It's bad because that relationship is not healthy if you're only the one taking but not giving. There needs to be a mutual, here's here's why this is important. Because if we're going to have a healthy relationship, a healthy relationship says, I need you and you need me. But if you're the only one, if need is only on one side, how many know that's not healthy? It's not just what has to go out, it's what has to come back in. The heart is only made strong. When we become the church, when we become people that have good relationships and health with one another, guard your mouth. Speak healing. To the very level, be careful of how we criticize, even when we're just joking about it. Be careful of how we speak and put down because the words that are coming out of your mouth speaks the heart that's inside of you. And if the words coming out are not healing, then it means you've not met with the healer. If the words that are coming out of your mouth are not healing, it means that you've not spent time with the healer. But God help us to see healing flow. Healing needs to flow. Healing needs to flow. I want to pray this morning that healing would begin to flow. And some of us, as I started this, we're waiting for healing to come to us. God wants you to know today, quit waiting for healing to come to you. The healer has already come. God does not need to break into your life. Only thieves break in. God wants to break out of your life. He wants the love of Christ to rise up on the inside of you that cause you to have such confidence, have you, cause you to have such hope, cause you to have such, such a, 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 an assurance of knowing God's love for you that no matter what comes against you, that you know who you are in Christ and when you have that in you, how many know healing will begin to flow out of you? Freely you have received, now what? Freely. If you want to know how healthy you are, then look how you love people. If you know that you have something to give and withhold it, you're called a greedy person. If I don't have a coat and you've got two of them, but you won't give me a coat, you're a greedy person. So what are you when you have people in your life who need affirmation, who need your affection, who need your word of encouragement, who need you to speak and meet their need? If you withhold what someone needs from you, what are you? If you withhold that which someone needs of you and you have, and here, you might say, well, I don't have it to give. And if you don't have it to give, you only acknowledge the fact then that you've not spent time with the healer to give you what you need. Because if you want healing to come to you, you better be ready for healing to flow out of you. Too many times we're living in this, well, I'll do it when they do it back. I'll do it when the time is right. I'm waiting for time. I'm waiting for something. I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting for that. And all the, God, all the while God said, no, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. 
I'm waiting for you to step out. I'm waiting for you to allow healing to move. I wonder who today needs something to break out of them. I wonder who today that you've allowed, you've allowed everything. You're standing there, God's saying, God, I need you to give me a breakthrough. I need you to break through. And God says, yeah, I'm right here on the inside just waiting to get out of you. And we're saying, God, you're on the outside and you got stuff I need you to break through. God says, those outside things aren't my problem. You're my problem. God, God would say, giving you a breakthrough, opposition outside of you is not my problem. I can handle that. But what I won't do is I won't dishonor your free will. You have the choice. You can allow healing to flow. You can allow. We're going to talk about forgiveness. We're going to talk about those things. But you've got to allow this to work on the inside of you. Don't let breakthrough happen from there in. How many know that breakthrough, if the, if, the, if the plant breaks through the ground, how many know it's not because something came through and opened up the hole for the plant? It's the plant reached the point and said, I'm coming out of the dirt. I'm stepping out of this place that I've been. I wonder who's here today and says, I need to let healing come forth. I've been waiting for it to come to me, but God has already put it on the inside of me. I need to release the healing that God has already given me. Quit withholding from those who you know God has put in your life to better you, to help you, to assist you. Give freely, because if you don't give freely, it means you've not received freely. It just gives evidence that you've not received from God. Is that true? Somebody tell me if I'm not preaching this right this morning. I don't want to send you out of here wrong. You're waiting for God to break through. God says, no, I'm not waiting to break through. God says, you're the issue, not the problems. You're the issue. I know that's hard to hear, right? I'd rather hear, they're the problem. No, I'm the problem. I'm the problem. God can heal my life in circumstances if I'd let him. God says today, no, I'm, say to God, God, I'm letting you break through God, I'm letting you break through. God, I'm letting you heal. I want healing to flow in my life. How many would say today that you need healing to flow in your life?